Hey, what's up, guys? Chad Hermson here with Mental Edge Training Coach. Today, I'll be chatting with Bly Madris, a 2017 ninth-round draft pick by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bly is a native in Las Vegas. He has a very interesting story, and I'm going to probably butcher this, but he's the first major league player that was born in Palau. I don't even know what Palau is or where it's at, but we're going to discuss that, and we're going to hear from him and his story. So enjoy this conversation with Bly Madras. All right, Bly Madras, what's up, dude? How are you? I'm doing well, man. So good to see you and talk to you again. Um, it's uh, I haven't seen you since high school, really. So <laughs> I know I saw you at a couple CMU games across over the years, but that's about that's it. Right. But so good seeing you. Yeah. yeah. So so Bly and I met well in high school. I was I was scouting mm-hmm. at the time, and you were yeah. in a, a small school here in Vegas called Foothill. Yeah. Pretty yep. cool. Um, have gone on to do some great things. You made it to the major leagues this year with Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um. And you are, we kind of talked about this call, and I know I was going to butcher it, but I didn't. I was like, but you are the first major league of Palauan descent. Yep. Yes, I am. That's that's a first, right? It's kind of cool. It is. Let's dive into that a little bit. Um, So so tell us about your descent, Palauan descent. What is that and where is that? So Palau is a really small island in the South Pacific. It's uh, north of Guam and south of the uh, Philippines. So it's really tiny. My dad grew up there, born and raised there. Then uh, he came to the States when he was 18. Um, ended up in Hawaii, eventually to California, then eventually to Vegas. Okay. And that's where I came along. So that's where the timeline begins uh, for me. I was born and raised in Las Vegas. And I, I've been back to Palau once. I was there. The last time I was there, I was eight. And uh, I mean, I met all my friends and family on that side. And yeah. I'm lucky enough that some of them, uh, a couple of my closest cousins live in California now, so I'm able to see them a lot. Okay. One's actually uh, at a junior college in Northern California, close to Fresno, and my other cousin goes to school at uh, Orange Coast Community College, so I get to see them quite often. Okay. Yeah. So, Palauans are making their way to the U.S. and getting they're coming, the baseball man. out here. They're coming. <laughs> We're coming in waves, baby. Yeah. We're coming in well, waves. Well, I know, like, from Hawaii's standpoint, right, but- they call Vegas, correct me, it's like the eighth or tenth island. What's the number? Yeah, exactly. They, they, they call it. Uh, yeah, it's, everyone finds their way to Vegas, it seems like. Just it's a, it's a great hub and it's great for our culture. And I mean, I can't tell you like how many plans are in Vegas and spread out all over the country here. So yeah. I would say there's many more islands than just Hawaii okay. now. And, and they've been coming over to the mainland a ton and I mean, I feel like I have a support system all across the country. Wherever I play, I feel like I have someone in the stands waving the flag. And that was super cool at my debut. And then everywhere I went to play, I saw Palau flags in the stands, Palau <laughs> t-shirts. It was crazy. It was awesome. The president of Palau actually came to one of my games in Arizona. So that was, oh, a, that was a huge honor for me and my family and for my dad to sit down with the president of Palau in the stands and enjoy a baseball game together and him come down on the field while we were playing in Arizona was pretty special. That is cool. So so you made your major league debut in Arizona? No, I made my major league debut in Pittsburgh. Okay. On the day after Father's Day. Okay. Yeah, so that's that, what I thought. Because so Father's Day call was pretty and, cool. And we're jumping like way ahead. So we're going to get to Yeah, that's all but good. I, I we'll want to start with um, 
because kind of the first you went to Foothill and mm -hmm. we met on that really kind of where we kind of got to know each other was on a scout team. Um, yep, Cardinal the, scout team. Berlin, Germany and a, um, yep. Coach Manny, all that stuff. Um, kind of when Vegas was doing really well with scout teams and they still do like they still put out yeah. a really good scout team and um, and you always impressed me with just the way you approach the game, right? You you weren't a big prospect out of high school. No, not at all. Not was, at all. I was just happy to be on the scout team. <laughs> yeah, you, that's what I'm saying. You were just happy to be there, and, and you made it to the big leagues. Like, you got to the big yep. leagues. Tell us about your experience in high school in general with baseball. So, in high school, like, the main goal was to play college sports somehow, some way. I was playing uh, – everything kind of clicked for me my freshman year. Um, coach Iglitz, the head coach of over at Foothill. I was playing basketball that winter. And uh, he said, I get done with basketball and I go to intramurals, baseball and all that stuff. And I end up having a good, uh, good little fall right before spring, you know? So he was like, wow, this kid's got potential, all this stuff. So yada, yada, go through my freshman year. I have a quality freshman year on JV, kind of a late bloomer. I didn't make varsity or anything my freshman year. But uh, I just kind of like – I was like, all right, this is what freshmen are supposed to do. Like, just kind of rolling with the punches, rolling with – just riding the wave, not really, like, pushing for anything. You know what I mean? It wasn't until my sophomore year where I was debating playing basketball again, and Coach Iglitz pulled me aside, and he was like, Bly, you have a huge opportunity to, like, take this game and do something with it, whether if it's – just go to college and get some school paid for. I was good academically. So it was like, you could really like cut your, uh, your tuition in half with sports and academic stuff. And I was like, okay, so uh, what are you trying to say? He's like, well, like, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I just think you're, if you were to really dive into baseball head on, come to intramurals every day and push yourself, come early go hard at practice and stay a little bit later, whether if it was fielding, hitting, working out of the field, whatever it was. Right. He's like, you really have potential to play at the next level. And I was just like, me? Like baseball and college? I was like, that's, that's, that sounds crazy. And he said, no matter what it is, whether if it's junior college, Division two, Division three, D1, no matter what it was. So I kind of – I took his advice. I was like – I trust that guy and coach Eglitz is like one of my biggest role models in life. And I love that man to death. And uh, I just, I really thank him for that talk. And I reflect on it um, when I'm trying to make decisions of like, all right, he's never steered me in the wrong way, steered me in the wrong direction. Um, so I took his advice then sophomore year, had a big sophomore year on varsity um, to where I kind of got my name out there. But like, like, I mean, you were a scout. So it's just like, I was just – I was a very good high school baseball player from my sophomore through senior year. Mm -hmm. Like, I was consistent. I worked hard, good work ethic, all that stuff. And I ended up earning a scholarship to uh, Colorado Mesa by playing on the scout team that you were coaching at the time. Or I'm not sure. You were coaching, but you were like – I remember you being like our bench coach. Assisting. And you were like, I was around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's nice having former big leaguers around high school kids. So I'll tell you that. So then 
and it wasn't until like my junior I played my junior and senior year on the scout team mm-hmm. and uh Manny Guerra that man love that man to death too yeah he saw a lot of potential in me as well and I remember him coming to Foothill like for a couple practices before the season starts because he was scouting for the Cardinals mm-hmm. and and he was just like hey you know if you get a little bigger and stronger you might have a shot to play pro ball <laughs> I was like I was like, man, quit messing with me, man. Like, he would always just give me a hard time. And that was just kind of a relationship. And it was just like, uh, he bust me around a little bit, tell yeah. jokes, and give yeah. me shit, you know. So, but I loved him for it. It was just our relationship. And, oh, man, he was one of the best people around. So, uh, and I'm thankful for the opportunity he gave me to play on that scout team because that really opened up that college opportunity for me and playing at Colorado Mesa. Yeah. So, that's kind of like my high school like my yeah. high school life. And so you, you got Chris Hanks over there at Colorado Mesa. How yep. did that, um, how, how did they approach you? Was that something you do at a camp? How did you get there? But yeah, so I was playing for us. Uh, we were playing down here in Arizona and Peoria. And I will never forget it. We were like, we, uh, we split the team. Like we, like some guys play the first five innings. Last mm-hmm. guy would play last four. Then we flip flop. Then uh, after I got done playing the first uh, five innings, I had a crazy game. It was like I went like two for two for three with a walk in five innings. Like we were raking that. We were mashing. We had a pretty good team. But uh, <laughs> then uh, I remember uh, Berlin pulling me out, pulling me out of the game. He's like, hey, someone wants to talk to you. Pulls me out then pulls my best friend, Nick Cardinelli, out. Mm-hmm. and we both start talking to coach Hanks and coach McKinney outside of the outside of the dugout and he handed me a letter and he was like hey we're with Colorado Mason University um we love the way you play the game and we would love for you to come see Colorado Mesa and come on a visit and check out our school online you don't have to make any decisions or anything like that right now but uh the offer's there here's our contact information but we really loved what we saw. And I, I mean, me personally, I never heard of Colorado Mesa right. ever before. So it's not the big, I just thought, school, right. It's like, exactly. Where, where's Grand Junction? Where is that? <laughs> exactly. I think I've driven through it like once, yeah. but nor did I think there was a school there with a the baseball program. So, and, and like, for me, I thought that was a big accomplishment because like, I wasn't one of those guys like, oh, I'm, I want to go to a Pac-12 school or a, a like, I wanted to go UNLV or UNR. Like, that was one of my main, main goals. But at that time, uh, with the coaches there at the time, they weren't offering in-state scholarships to a, a guy like me, I guess. I don't know. Right. But uh, so that kind of lit a fire for me and kind of want to go somewhere else and prove prove some people wrong, you know what I mean? So I got some other offers, some like junior college offers, of course, like CSN, uh, Cochise was another one that I was thinking about, Feather River. So a lot of really good junior college schools were interested. And for me, I was like, all right, I'm kind of a late bloomer. I was maybe like six foot, 170 pounds at that time. Yeah. So yeah. and to put it in perspective for everyone who's going to listen to this, I'm six two like 225 now so exactly you grow up a little bit yep. but um so I was just like oh man this is a great school but I did some research and 
for me, like seeing all the numbers that Colorado Mesa put up and like Coach Hanks had been there a long time. There wasn't a lot of coaching changes. Um, Coach McKinney went to school there and played for Coach Hanks. Same with Coach Wojtek at the time. I was like, wow, this is really like family, family knit program. I was like, that kind of like makes me feel at home a little bit. I was like, I really like the sound of that. And that's something I think a lot of kids don't look at these days is like, all right, how long has this coach been here? Where was he at before? How long was he there? Stuff like that. And that really came into play for me because I just, I really wanted to go to a four-year school. I just wanted to get there, play baseball, finish my degree. You know what I mean? That was my main goal at the time. Trying not to get too big. Like, you know how they talk about goals and like setting realistic goals. Obviously, you can't aim too low because then you'll reach a little too easy. You know what I mean? So I was, I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, I could go here. I can make a splash. Like, I was thinking that before I did all my research. I can, I can so, do right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I did a lot of research. Then uh, I get to look and I'm like, man, I might not be a guy if I go there. Because, <laughs> I mean, they went to uh, the year I – so I like before I went on my visit, did some research. I was like, they had national player of the year there. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a shortstop there, Nate Robinson, who ended up getting drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I was like, man, this is a legit program. They had won the, they had uh, gone to the World Series two years before the Division Two World Series. I was like, this is a legit program, and they lost ten games a year. That's mm-hmm. it. They'd won fifty, lose ten. I was like, winning's really fun. Absolutely. I was like, winning is really fun. And I was thinking, I want to go to a winning program. That's what I want to be a part of. I want to help build that and take them back to it. So that was like kind of my mindset. Mm-hmm. So I ended up uh, committing to Mesa um, on my visit uh, that I ended up taking like two weeks later. Okay. Uh, my junior year. And I didn't want to hold on. I just kind of wanted the recruiting process to be done as well. Uh, that was really challenging for me in a sense of sitting down, writing letters every night to coaches. We didn't have like social media was around, but coaches weren't on it yet. Like coaches weren't using that as an kind outlet. Early, early development of social media. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like It was big for kids my age, but it wasn't a way to connect with different programs and all that stuff, which I advise kids to do. Like if you see coaches on there, like, Hey, and, and good morning coach like how you doing like type of thing wouldn't do you any harm so that's a little word of advice but um but yeah I fell in love with Mesa just because of the family net program that I saw like I went on my visit and coach Hanks was unbelievable um I saw the way they ran practice and it was it was tough Mm -hmm. I met the and they had just built a new weight room uh for uh, all the the athletic programs and stuff like that. Right. So I was like, wow, this like this school's up and coming. Like this is they're really building something special here. I was like, I want to be a part of that. So I committed that weekend on uh, the practice field. I was like, I'm in. I'm all in. They uh, like Coach Agut said, like I got enough money to. It wasn't a full ride or anything like that. But I was just like, this is enough money to help me get through school they had a uh a tuition what is it called a uh, a scholarship for like neighboring states 
Mm-hmm. I know Colorado doesn't neighbor Nevada, but they they grandfathered Nevada in for that. So it made me, it gave me a little bit. It, it was closer to in-state tuition, say the least. So it was financially a great move. Baseball-wise, unbelievable move for me. And uh, I mean, I loved every single second of being at Colorado Mesa and. I'm thankful for Coach Hanks for taking a shot at me and talking to me at the Peoria Sports Complex. And I got to go to school with my best friend, too. So that was a kicker. Yeah. So me and him went there together. You so. went with Nick Carnell. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I swear, like, it almost felt like you guys were brothers, right? Because you go from Foothill to oh. Mesa. Yeah. Probably inseparable, right? All those things. And I, I, also yep. heard, I also heard Coach Hanks is one of the best hitting coaches around. Like, he is. Really he is. He's a very simple and – what were maybe some of the things that he taught you that you might be able to share? He taught me about keeping things external in a sense of not everything hitting is internal. It's not all about body movement. It's not all about hand placement, timing, all that stuff. You might have to think about something external to get your timing or get your body in the right position. You might have to think for me, I would pick, the biggest thing he taught me was like, pick a, pick a sign, pick a billboard on the wall. And I want to, I want you to think, hit a line drive through it, okay. not to it, not to, it. I want you to think through it, which helped me with my path, which helped me with, with my extension through the baseball. And it helped me stay through the middle of the field. And I still use that today. Um, in a sense, then just, uh, he helped me become just an overall better hitter, like approach wise in the box that mm-hmm. I never even had to think about. Cause like in high school, you're thinking like, Oh, I'll get my heater eventually. Right. Like no one can land a curveball. Like no one can land a change up. So I just sat heater all the time. Then like division two was like, okay, you get the occasional guy who's got 88, like Friday night guy is probably 90, 91 max. Right. Max. And that's the best guy in the conference. And so I was able to sit heater, but then you get some guys who mix first pitch breaking ball and that's the only pitch they had. So you had to learn how to hit mm-hmm. that, wait for it and find the pitch, find that breaking ball that you were able to hit. You don't want to swing at the good breaking ball. You just swing at the bad ones. Right. <laughs> so, right. That's right. yeah. So tell me that. How, how, so on that note, like eventually, you know, you get drafted, you have some pretty good mm-hmm. years in Colorado Mesa sticking on the hitting side of things. Now you're in pro ball. Mm-hmm. you're working with certain hitting coaches or even philosophy at the minor league level right before you get to the big leagues did the philosophy waver from that was it way different is it kind of figured out yourself so in a sense like i'll break it down per level so like when i got to pro ball like short season wise it was all right these guys have a little bit more velo these guys have a little bit more a little more oomph, a little more carry they spin the ball a little bit better. So it looks like it's almost going up. Got some ride. People use the term ride. People have a lot of ride. But um, guys didn't have that good of breaking ball stuff still. So I learned kind of like I'm, I'm going to eliminate that. And guys wouldn't throw it early in the count in short season. Guys would use their heaters early. Then they had their put-away pitch with two strikes. And that's the only time I really worried about it. But I never got off the fastball which is why I kind of – I think I had one of my best seasons, like my first year of pro balls, because I didn't really switch approaches. I stayed on the heater, stayed on the fastball, and I realized that, okay, 85 and 90, 
pair those together. Then you pair the 92, 95s together. Mm-hmm. Then 96 to 100, and you're like, you really got to just look one spot. Right. Then you got to sell out to, I think about covering the plate, 17 inches, right? I picked those three balls over the middle, three or four balls, actually three balls. I picked three balls over the middle. Then if I'm hunting for those, that fourth ball either on the outer third or that fourth ball on the middle third, I'll still swing at and I, I can hit. Right. But anything outside of that, it's usually bald or it's a pitcher's pitch. And you're, hey, good job. Tip of the cap to you. So, um, yeah, I learned how to zone in the short season as well. And you learn how to zone uh, with velo, and you just learn how to stay on the heater. And you find out what you can hit. Like, you find out what you're really good hitting at. And I, for me, that was fastballs. Mm-hmm. So then I ended up skipping low A, then going straight to high A. Who needs low A? Who needs low A? Who needs it? I kind of needed it. I kind of <laughs> needed it. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I kind of needed it. Kind of needed uh, it. That would have been nice. Yeah, so yeah. So then, so then you get to high A. Then you you get a lot of the guys with fastball command. Right. And in the Florida State League, you get all these legit prospects who are going to pitch and who I'm now facing in the big leagues that I faced in high A yep. and their stuff is still electric, still different. And that's the first time I've ever been like, wow, that fastball is elite. You're starting to see the different level of little giddy. Up yes. Then yeah. now like approaches change for pitchers at bat to at bat in high A. So guys, you might get a fat heater that you need a swing. That might be the best heater that you get all day type of thing. So you might get your first pitch heater, your first at bat, put a good swing on it. Or even if you take a good pitcher's pitch, they, they remember that stuff. And they're like, okay, this guy is sitting one side of the plate. I'm going to stay out there where he's not swinging. And that's when they make their mistakes for me personally. Um, but then like, if you take a good hack on an OO heater, you're probably – your second at bat is probably gonna be an off speed pitch, most mm. likely. Mm. Um, if he, he feels like your timing's on, if he feels like you were on it and you got good flow, good rhythm going in that bat, you're probably not gonna get another one. Then, same thing with if you miss that OO pitch, that might be the best pitch you get the whole at bat. So, whether if you get on or get out, I'll say if you get out that at bat, it's probably not because of the pitch is anything you did after that Mm -hmm. pitch it's because you missed that pitch yep and for me like through high i struggled because i was so worried about what i was striking out on whether if i was swinging at a slider in the dirt or a heater up and stuff like that i was getting mad at those pitches when i should have been mad at myself for missing that pitch that i missed earlier in the count you know what i mean i got my one hitters pitch and i missed it that's what i needed to lock in on and that's what i needed to be that's when I needed to reevaluate. Why am I missing pitches in my zone? Am I late? Is it a body issue? Is it like, hey, maybe I'm just tired. It's my first full season of pro ball. So then double A um, is you get guys who can pitch with people on base. You get guys with fastball command with a runner on second. Um, they pitch different with runners in scoring position. So you learn that. And that's pretty much all double A was for me is learning how to hit with runners on base and learning how to cash in runs. 
because that's when you really realize, hey, I'm two levels away from the big leagues. I'm close. And and Pittsburgh uh, was – when you were at Pittsburgh, was double-A in Altoona still? No, Zebulon. Carolina Mudgeons. Zebulon, yep. Yeah. They, they so. became Altoona like maybe a year or two later after I was in double-A. Okay. Something like that. Yeah, so being Altoona and the big field, all that stuff, so guys didn't give up a lot of homers. So you had to learn the fields that you're playing at. Everything's a little bit different. We played at a massive field, so guys weren't scared to throw heaters. Mm-hmm. But when you play at smaller fields and like hitter ballparks and stuff, you, you don't get a lot of heaters or anything middle-middle. You get guys trying to bounce stuff or work up in the zone. They try to get you to chase a lot more. So you learn that. You learn guys pitch differently at different stadiums. Uh, and guys learn how to pitch with runners on base, whether if it's first pitch curveball or 2-0 breakers or 2-0 change-ups because they know you're trying to cheat a little bit. Guys get a little bit smarter in that sense. Mm-hmm. Then AAA is you get a big mix of everything. You get guys who are coming down from the big leagues who, or you get some older guys who have been in the big leagues for a long time who are trying to crack a roster again. Then you get the the young rookies who are uh, like phenoms, right? Who are yeah, who are hungry, who are just trying to get to the big leagues, and they're trying to swing their way to the big leagues. You know, then you get the veteran hitters who know what to look for. They know what they're hunting. They have an approach. Then you mix those in with the young guys, and you get those guys start talking. Then when they communicate well, that's when you get the best teams in AAA. I feel like mm-hmm. then. I'm sorry for the dog barking too. If you can hear that, I apologize. Um, then, yeah, Triple A, you get a big mix of all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that's the way I would break it down. Yeah. So you, I mean, you plowed through it. And so, were you roughly what about 22 when you were drafted? Is that right? I was 21. Yeah. 21. Uh, just, yeah. It was three months after I turned 21. Okay. So, and then yep. you you started to go through the system, right? So. Mm-hmm. Was about four, four years, four or five years in the minors. Yeah, uh, add the COVID year, I guess. Uh, yeah. So I should have been in AAA 2020, but got yeah. pushed back. So I ended up being in AAA 25. AAA, yeah. And so yeah. You, should have been there when I was 24. Yeah, you're kind of like 24, 25. It's almost like I feel like a veteran a little bit now, in a way. Exactly. Um, Especially. Yeah, especially after, like, knowing everyone, knowing the coaching staff, they know how I operate yeah, and knowing how I go about my business and stuff like that. It was the same thing, yeah. So then you make your major league debut, right, in Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, right? So you get call up. What was your call up like? What was your story? Uh, So it was Father's Day. I just got on a tear in Gwinnett. So we play six-game series now in one place. So I absolutely love hitting in Gwinnett. I have no idea why. It's hot, it's muggy, it's humid. Um, but I went on an absolute tear there where I was I wanna say I was eleven for actually no, I, I think I was like thirteen for twenty one in that series with eight extra base hits. And I was I was on yeah, I was on and this is after like I was I was grinding in the beginning of the year, went to big league camp, think went to triple A and wasn't playing. I went from almost making a roster in triple or out of big league camp mm. to them not having a roster spot available 
to me going to AAA and not playing the first month and a half. I maybe had 30 at-bats in a month first uh, of this last year. Okay. So then I kind of just waited. Some guys got called up. Um, some guys got hurt. Stuff moved around. I got my opportunity. I ran with it. Mm-hmm. So you ran got, with it. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you had three hits in your debut. Is that right? Yep. Three hits. Tell us yeah. about that day. Oh, man. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> so I get called up with O'Neill Cruz, one of the biggest prospects in baseball. So he had already been to the big leagues last year, last two games of the season. Then uh, I get called up uh, on the same day he goes back to the big leagues. So all the focus is on him. I think this helped me, to be honest. So you're, you're just all like the media. The yeah, I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> just let me sneak in here a little bit. Hopefully no one notices I'm here and they won't send me back down. <laughs> but uh, I get to I get to Pittsburgh. Then um, everyone's all over Cruz. I was like, this is great. I'm chilling. This is nice. I'm getting being able to take this all in without any of the media or anything around. This is awesome. Then uh, – I get there, then I go into Skip's office and we're talking. He's like, Hey, how you feel about playing right field tonight? Hitting seventh. I said, I'm in, all in. And I said, This is perfect, best day of my life. This is great. Then Cruz was talking to the media. Then Cruz goes, Guys, I've already had my day. This is not my first time in the big leagues. Go talk to that guy over there in the okay. corner. So Cruz is one of the best guys ever. I love that guy. And that's a like a little story I'll have with him and I'll cherish forever. Then getting to like BP and all that stuff, it ends up raining mm. in BP. So I don't get to take fly balls. I don't get to take batting practice on the field. And fly balls in a big league stadium for the first time is a little bit tricky with the third yeah. deck with everything. So the ball, the ball I'm like, stands, right? Exactly. You're like, you were thinking a ball took a bad hop in the sky. You know what I mean? Like you're you're searching for it. Yeah. So I didn't get any fly balls or anything. I didn't get to take BP on the field. So my first time stepping in a box was that first AB. Okay. In Pittsburgh, which I think was pretty special. But and I just I had just faced the pitcher on the mound like a week earlier in Iowa. <laughs> so. Okay. So you're a little versus. Yeah, both teams hanging on the wall. That's I debuted versus the Cubs then that's kind of cool yeah. I just noticed that and uh yeah I just uh I ended up taking that taking I think I took the first pitch then uh took the first one then I swung so hard at the first strike I saw and I fouled it back and you just heard the whole stands it felt like everyone ooh, <laughs> he just missed and it. I just, I just kind of looked around I was like that was kind of crazy Right. Then second pitch, I hit a hit a ball like 109 or something right up the middle for with bases loaded, two mm-hmm. RBIs, and that was that was just special. It was it was incredible. Then the day just kind of like you get it out of the way and you're like, okay, it's just another baseball game. Here we go. Then got my first fly ball. Ended up on Sports Center for I was like the numbers seven play on the top ten. <laughs> so that was like that was why just everything happened that day everything went right night. everything yeah you're like yeah. little tv time you know what i mean <laughs> got a show tape on got everything on yeah but yeah it just seemed like everything that it was one of those days where everything just went right mm. had my family there had coach Iglitz there had 
had everyone. So it was, it was incredible. And coach Hanks and McKinney were there the second day when I hit my first homer. Oh man. That's so, a- yeah. 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 Take him to dinner afterwards. You guys hang out and celebrate a little bit. Or... Yeah. We, we went somewhere local in Pittsburgh. We just went to like a little tap house right across the street from the stadium. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the first time I ever felt like, I was like, Hey, I'm in the big leagues. Cause I walk in there and everyone was just like, Oh my God, that's it's the guy you just played. You just played over there. And I was like, yeah, it's me. I was like, just know the guy just hanging out. Can I get a beer please? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah so. That's incredible. And, and you probably know, so you've been around probably enough stadiums, you know, and I'm not sure how much I didn't look up necessarily how much time you have so far, but PNC yeah. is one of the, if not the best stadium, like it's oh, incredible. The stadium. best. Yeah. The best. I know I'm a little biased, but that's, uh, it's truly incredible. That's where I tell everyone, if they haven't been to a big league ballpark, go to PNC. Yeah. Cause the backdrop is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, just the city within itself is great. A lot of history, a lot of culture. Um, then just – it's a sports city, so it was fun playing for it. Fans are passionate in a good and bad way. Like, you know how – like, that's just how it goes. They're better to better succeed, right? Exactly, exactly. It makes you better. It makes you better. So you, so you start to get a little bit of the, the daily feel of being in the big leagues. You're probably mm-hmm. seeing guys like, oh, my gosh, like there's – you know, Mike Trout or there's Mookie Betts, you know, you're starting to see guys that, yeah. was there, was there players that you followed and, and kind of grew up? Like, I want to be like that guy. Oh man. I would just say like going back to college when you're watching games, that's so recent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like all those guys are like really cool. Like I'm a part of that, like 20,000 that mm-hmm. have ever just like you, you know what I mean? So we're a part of that. And then you start looking at the names who have, who have done that. And it's just like, then you're playing against them. I'm on the field. Like, like I'm sitting next to Vogie, like Daniel Vogelbach. He's my locker partner. Like, mm-hmm. we're a locker apart. And I get to sit next to that guy. That guy's, that guy's an all-star. Right. Then I have the starting center fielder in the all-star game a year ago, two lockers away from me, Brian Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Then Ben Gamble, who's like – one of the grindiest, just one of the guys I look up to just because he's a grinder. He gets after it every single day. He's got a little bit of an edge about him. You know what I mean? Now I'm in between him and Vogelbach and just hearing them just talk about like their daily stuff and just how they go about their business. They're hilarious. And it's just incredible how they balance it all Yeah. between. I'm like, you guys do this every day. It's insane. It's my <laughs> first day on the job. Yeah. Then uh, it was crazy for me. Like, we were playing the Nationals at the Nationals ballpark. Then Josh Bell was the first baseman there. He was with the Pirates before. So, like, meeting him when I was a minor leaguer, then making my – like, playing my second series up against them. Mm -hmm. Then, like, him seeing me, he embraced me. It was crazy. He was like, dude, congratulations. Awesome. And it's just like – it was cool seeing that full circle moment from going from minor leaguer to big leaguer because he was just a big leaguer when I got there. Like he was just making his debut when I first got there, and he was so open to talking to the minor league guys. I was like, "That's how I want to be. Like, I want to help out all the minor league guys that can talk to them, embrace them, and just not big league them." You know what I mean? Yeah. Then playing against Juan Soto was was wild. Then came full circle with me and Bryson Stott mm-hmm. uh, playing. We played little league together. Okay. And against each other. So me and him playing in the big leagues together, then talking to Harper was super cool too. So just all the Vegas guys and 
we have a great city, great people. So it's it's a fun city to represent while yeah. we're in the Bay League together. So. so so you're now you mentioned since you've been drafted in pro ball, basically you've been mainly mm-hmm. in Arizona when you get home and travel and kind of working out out there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, very cool. So I'm curious about, you know, a lot, a lot of this podcast is number one, sharing your story, right. And kind of hearing mm-hmm. uh, everyone's got the grind right in their oh, uh, yeah. path on the way up there. So let's dive into the mental game a little bit. So okay. we had mentioned before the call, um, we didn't have mental skill coaches, you know, when I played um, mm-hmm. psychologists were around, but not really at all. Like it wasn't really a thing. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience with, you know, is there certain skill coaches that, you've worked with like with the pirates or any other team so far yep so the pirates had bernie holiday uh and tyson holt and a bunch of great guys who work with them and they travel to each affiliate Mm -hmm. and they're not like hey come sit in my office let's talk they're out on the field with us they're taking like they're in the outfield shagging bp with us and we're just talking like regular teammates you know what i mean so um, then Bernie, like, would, like, put us through, like, spring training as, like, a group. And, like, you could see, like, who would buy into it, who, like, didn't want it and stuff like that. And it was open. It wasn't like people were forced to do this stuff. But it was available if you wanted it. Okay. And the Pirates, I, kudos to the Pirates for buying into that and bringing Bernie in because I, uh, I think he opened a door for a lot of people and the and coaches and managers that we had on staff to just give them another outlet mm-hmm. where it was. Cause like, I mean, even more for the coaches, they have each other, but I mean, it's a clubhouse. You're around each other for, I mean, 200 days out of the year. So you usually you can't always say what you want to say. So them being in the clubhouse, them coming in and leaving like periodically, like gave people like, someone to talk to. I think that was awesome. Whether if it was just life, baseball, and they would just flip it and put it in a different perspective for you. It's not like they would tell you to do this, do this, like sit down, meditate, all that stuff. Yeah, they recommended it. Right. But like, if that wasn't your thing, it wasn't your thing. So it wasn't forced on us, which I thought was great, but it was always available in, in masses. Like you can come as a group, you can come individually, bring whoever you want. Yeah. encourage people to come and they helped us like they taught me how to like reset in between pitches reset in between games how to separate my baseball life from my personal life because mm-hmm. if i have mm-hmm. baseball in my personal life all the time i'm just going to be miserable right. i had to learn how to leave it at the field and they taught me how to do that yeah. um i think that's a big thing for kids these days who kind of get lost in it like i respect the work ethic and i respect like going to the gym then going home i think parents need to learn a way to like separate it these days too because you get some people who are just like all right we got to go to the gym we got to go to baseball practice then we have to look at your video at home type mm-hmm. thing it's like no like yeah guys like your, your kids too you gotta learn how to have a social life you gotta learn how to have fun you gotta learn how to be a good teammate too it can't just always be about your production, your your work, all that stuff all the time. You gotta you gotta be a friend, you gotta be a family member, all that stuff too. I think that's important. I think some kids are losing sight of that these days. Um, 
because like you're you could be surrounded by it all the time with social media, all that stuff. Because people follow these accounts, all that stuff is just baseball. You're scrolling through baseball, scrolling through baseball, scrolling through baseball. And it's just like, all right, I see something that I could tweak my swing with this video or this video, and they take it. You know what I mean? It's constant change, constant all that stuff. Sometimes you got to shut off and just do something other than baseball too. Yeah, you like it's, you have to learn. I think part of that whole process, right, is you're learning yourself. Yes, hundred percent doesn't work. Um, man, this guy told me something like I know a hundred percent that's not going to work, mm-hmm. but then maybe I'll try this. Right, so yeah, kind of having the confidence within yourself to know uh, I'm going to give that a shot. You know, and mm-hmm. kind of work through that process. Then you have to be willing to like a big thing that Bernie taught me. It was like you got to give yourself. I can't exactly remember his wording. He's like, you gotta, you gotta be willing to work through it for a little while. You just can't be so quick to, ah, that's not working for me. Mm-hmm. It's like go, go, go through the failure part of it and see what it does for you. Give it a little time, right? Yeah, give it a little time. Give it a little something. Like it's not everything's. People are so quick these days for instant results, mm-hmm. and that's not baseball. Like that's not baseball. Yeah, you might have, which is why I think hitting like hitting coaches, like really dive in to what your hitting coach is talking about and leave outside voices out of it. Mm-hmm. That's the big thing I'm doing here in Arizona right now. I have my hitting coach that I'm working with at Helix and I've been listening to his feels and his feels only, even though like I've played in the big leagues, I've had a ton of great coaches over the course of the years who have taught me a lot of great, great things, but I'm not with them right now. Right. It's like, I only really need to go to those things when I have a terrible relationship with someone I'm working with, mm-hmm. whether it be an organization, hitting coach, whatever it may be, to where I can take that into my work. But I don't recommend that either. I recommend you sitting down with the hitting coach that you're not getting along with and kind of going through it and how your process works and how your mind works. And like, I know my hitting coach wants the best for me. So I'm going to, work through the struggles of a swing change, not even swing change, but just different feels. I'm going to trust them. I'm going to think that way for probably a couple days before I'm like, yo, this isn't working for me. Yeah. And you have to be willing to just, I mean, this is, I don't know if this is a cliche term now, but being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. Like everyone's heard that, but it's true. Like people say it's cliche. Usually if it's cliche, it's true. You know what I mean? In particular, if you're, if you are working on a swing change, right? A, a coach sees something like, Hey, you're continuing to do a, you know, I'm, I'm going to suggest B to you because yeah. of these reasons. And then you start to work on B. It feels like garbage at the beginning. Oh yeah. You do something it, and it, you're like, Ooh, that felt good. Then you do it again. That felt yeah. really good. Then you're hitting coaches in the corner like, I told you. I yeah. told you. Did you have any of those experiences yet where you've made that? Oh, yeah. Can you give uh, For me, it was uh, – for me, it was kind of like just letting loose in my swing. Mm-hmm. And because I have, like, good hand-eye. Mm-hmm. I can get the bat on the ball whenever I want. But my hitting coach, uh, John Nunnally – that I had double A and triple A. Um, and 19, I had him in double A. 21, I had him in triple A. He kind of just taught me. He's like, okay, you're a monster. 
you got to be a monster in the box because he knows that I'll get the bat on the ball somehow. I'll make contact. That's what I do. I get the bat on the ball a lot. He's like, now we need to do it with authority. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. He's like, what do you want to do? He's like, I just want you to, I want you to try to hit a homer to center pre 2K. Cause everything you're doing, like pre 2K is like two strike approach type of, type of stuff. He's like, like with two strikes, you feel for yeah, it too much. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to feel it and drive it. Right. Like, no, he's like, I need you to be a monster. Like, I need you to slug. You're playing right like, field. We're going to slug. You don't need a single sitter in right field. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It was like, hey, if you're going to be a corner outfield guy, first baseman, like, you got you got to slug. Mm-hmm. So, he's like, well, you got the bat-to-ball skills now. Let's be a monster. He said, just go for it. I don't care how many times you strike out. I don't care if you quit, if, you, if your walks go down. I just want you driving the ball with more authority. Change my career. And that was just a simple thing thought process between the ears. It wasn't anything physical. It's kind of like the external thought I was talking about earlier. It's like be a monster, swing hard, and try to hit a home in the center. So that was external for me. Great. Worked for me. Mm-hmm. So then uh I would say then triple A this past year with Eric Munson, who you might have played against mm-hmm. coming up. He was with Detroit for a long time. Um uh he untapped the path like, I was always, like, top hand to it, you know what I mean? Like, top hand, like, gets to the ball. And yeah, I was getting to the ball. He's like, okay, you got that down. It's going to work. Your top hand's going to work. So, he said, now, let's just fix your path. And for me, it was, like, different drills, like, working underneath and behind. Then he said something for me. He's like, hit behind the baseball. And to me, like, that might be a well-known turn. I had never heard it. Never heard it. And how would you describe that if nobody's heard that? Hit behind the baseball. What does that mean? Hit behind the baseball would be like, okay, ball's coming with me. I'm not going to try and go get it, like, with forward, like, with my move or anything like that. It's kind of like letting the ball come to me. Mm-hmm. Then I'm just going to rotate, and I'm going to get my – I'm going to get my head, my chest. It feels like this. Like with me leaning back like this, but like when I swing, that's not what happens. Because right. video, video and feels don't always match you're up. Still gonna you have know what I mean? Forward movement, right? Yeah, you're still gonna have your forward movement. You hit the brakes, <laughs> then you just rotate. You rotate around. You've heard, I don't know. You've heard about like the axis you turn on. Mm-hmm. It's right here. Pretend you have a pole going down the middle of your body through your spine, and you're just rotating on it. And, like, it doesn't move. So, like, me, I was, like, trying to take everything to the baseball yeah. versus me just rotating behind the baseball. Well, that's kind of the term, like, I'm catching yeah. it. Like, I'm catching it back here, right? Or- exactly. But I wasn't catching it deep. And I started hitting full-side homers. I started hitting backside homers because I had so much more time because I was on plane. Be- being on plane is, like, for me – that tells me I'm getting on plane with every single type of pitch, whether it's heater, curveball, I'm getting on plane. Right. Having a good, a long bat path to me is like me dumping my barrel and only swinging one direction. Which you feel so like that's, you don't want to be thinking that. You don't want to be thinking that, I don't you think. You see that a lot now, right? Like the <coughs> um, yeah. do, You see some- it a lot. 
Yeah. I think that's misinterpreted with some hitters. Mm-hmm. I think uh, some hitters who have good bat lag need to think like I used to think with more direction straight to it because they already have that. They have that nice natural flow. Right. And guys who are too short to the baseball, cutting the baseball or in and out of the zone quick need to be feel like they they need to get back here. You know what I mean? It's just that's that's teaching and coaching. That's knowing different lingo. And to me, that's teaching. Mm-hmm. I think teaching is you you know how to say the same thing in different phases. Like you can say one thing three different ways yeah. that will click for three different people because mm-hmm. like you can tell a kid hey you're pulling your front shoulder you're pulling your front shoulder and that just might not resonate with them but if the guy says right yeah you can just flip and say hey i want you to just focus on keeping this as like a rifle scope i want you to hunt the baseball with it and that for me that worked for me when i was pulling out and just trying to yank everything Think about this as a rifle scope, my front shoulder, and keep it on the baseball wherever you go. And that helped me mm-hmm. stay behind the baseball and get on plane with every pitch I was looking at. So, love it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, you've been doing well, and you, you've had quite a few. You started with the Pirates, and now we're talking like in the uh, yeah. couple months, we're talking about like the Rays, the Tigers, the Astros. <laughs> Yeah, I've been – I was the hottest commodity on the waiver wire this year. <laughs> some designations, some waivers. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot Going of stuff happened. So now you're currently with the Astros, is that correct? Yep, I got traded over here last Tuesday a week ago. A week ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Your, your name – literally your name is trade rumors on my app. And yeah. Dude, I got to get – I got to reach out to Bly, see what's going on. <laughs> So you seem, yeah, to it's been a wild ride. you seem to be handling that well. Like you, you understand the process of yeah, yeah. You're trying to find like you had zero control over any of that. None. I think that's the biggest thing that people need to know. You have no control. It's not always because you're the player you are. Mm-hmm. It's just because it's a business. Yeah, and everyone faces the business side sooner or later. Yeah, because you, you, I think we put on a forty man and one of those new teams, and then designated immediately and then yep so i'll kind of you want me to talk about the rundown of that yeah so obviously made the debut with pittsburgh all that stuff and i got uh designated right after the trade deadline uh which was like i can't remember was it august 1st i want to say it was august 1st it was august 1st september 1st but uh i think it was september 1st but i got dfa like september 2nd from the pirates then uh, I go their waivers, all that good stuff. I end up getting picked up by the Rays with a month in the season left. So um, get picked up by the Rays, get put on the forty man there. Then they send me uh, to Durham to play in Durham for the year, for the remainder of the year. I wasn't playoff eligible, um, so I couldn't play in the playoffs with them unless there was like two injuries, something crazy. But I ended up going to Durham and had the time of my life. Mm. Ended up coming back to Vegas, winning the AAA championship and winning the AAA national championship MVP at home okay. versus my like in front of all my family here and friends Vegas. here there in Vegas. It was yeah. unbelievable. That's awesome. And that Aviator Stadium is yeah pristine. It's legit. Then uh, so 
so I don't know, put yourself in my shoes. What are you thinking after you win and help literally help lead the team win to a national championship the last month of the season? Oh yeah. And yeah, you just win the MVP. Um, I hit for the most power I have. I went like 13 for, uh, it was something crazy the last month of the season. I, I hit like four homers, 10 doubles in a month span. So like, like, oh, I'm not. I'm in the mix now. Uh, in the I'm good. I'm good. I have a shot. I can go to camp next year, win a job. If not, I have two option years left. Like they'll want me. They'll want me. You know. And uh, so I go to Mexico to play winter ball. Then I end up getting hurt down there. Come home. The next day I get home, I get DFA from the Rays. And. The toughest thing was like, there's a, Hey man, it's not because of the way you played. It's not because of the person you are. It's just, we've put a lot of time and it's some guys we had to protect for the rule five. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, we don't have much that many ties with you. Um, It wasn't an easy move, but it was the business move. I said, I completely understand that. No bad feelings whatsoever. And the rays are professionals in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, they're great people, and I would never say a single bad thing about it. I love the time I have with the organization. Great memories, lifelong memories, all that stuff. Then uh, I ended up getting picked up on waivers by the Tigers. Uh, then cruising there on the roster with them. I was like, wow, there's a lot of opportunity over here, a new front office. Um, uh, AJ Hinch is the manager over there. I was like, oh, man, I get to – work with that guy great guy um miguel cabrera's there mm-hmm. all that stuff so i was like man there's gonna be it's gonna be a great time like miggy's going on his farewell tour this year i'm like oh, i'm gonna be able to be a part of that right. then uh uh they ended up not having three catchers on the roster which is like pretty pretty normal to have three catchers on the roster so they needed to make a move to put a catcher on and i ended up being that that guy they DFA'd for that, which sucked. It was like, ah, that sucks. It's okay. I was so I was I wasn't gonna be mad if I stayed in the organization at all. Played a lot of opportunity over there, even if I'm not on the roster. I can go to spring training and win a job. It's kind of my mentality. So I wasn't bummed. But then uh uh I mean amazing things happened with uh Houston trading for me. So I ended up getting traded, not DFA'd or anything, I ended up getting traded to uh the houston Astros, right. yeah yeah it means they means they invested a little bit something in me so right. which felt i mean it feels amazing to get traded to the reigning world series champs who have been known for the great organization and all that stuff and i feel like when a team goes out and gets you like that that it's it feels pretty special it feels good so i'm super excited we got to talk on the phone with dusty mm-hmm. baker that was pretty cool some type of plan for you right exactly exactly yeah. exactly I'm sorry, cut, cut you. who'd you say you were talking to uh dusty baker called me and was like hey man congrats on getting traded over and he was kind of giving me a rundown of like uh what they needed from me and what kind of player i am and what he needs um from on the team standpoint i was like man this is a great opportunity for me all this stuff so i'm super excited to work with him and be around a bunch of elite players and an elite clubhouse so excited to be there yeah 
that's awesome, man. We're, yeah. we're certainly rooting for you. Yeah, and I saw that happen with the Astros. I'm like, okay, there's, there's some good things happening here. Exactly, exactly. I just did an interview to start out the 23 season with Tyler Whitaker, right? Bishop Gorman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Their top prospects. So I'm sure you'll you'll run into him at some point. And, but, boy, man, this has been outstanding, dude. I'm very impressed with you and uh, the growth, right, that I've seen from you no, as a man. up until now. and. Um, so we, we have, uh, we're going into the Astros. Like what's your goal this year? What, what are you trying to accomplish this year? So, I, I mean, I just want to go in and try to help that help the team win as much as I can, uh, any way I can. So I'm not going to put any numbers on anything. It just, for me, I just try to go in be the best clubhouse guy I can. Got to have a good clubhouse. If you're gonna, if you're going to win anything, if you're going to, go go for it in the long run you know what I mean so try to keep that good clubhouse and be the best teammate I can try to go out there help anyone I can and uh just I don't know keep my ears open and learn anything I can absorb anything I can and while putting my work in every day and trying to get better every day learn something new and just try to get in the box and battle every AB and just play elite defense that's what I pride myself on so yeah Love it, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited for you. I know it's going to be an exciting year. Um, I know there was a different feel, to be frank, when I was with Pittsburgh at the beginning. And then, mm -hmm. son, you're like with the Dodgers. That was kind of my next yep. thing. And you look around, I'm like, holy cow. Like, there's all-stars everywhere. Yeah. But yep. Different feel, different atmosphere. Um, so, man, kudos to you. Make sure you guys follow Bly. Bly's a great dude. Follow him on what, – what are you on, the Twitter machine, Instagram? Um, the Twitter machine? The tweeter? Yeah, yeah I'm on everything, man. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. So hit me Please up you if you guys have any me. questions. Yeah. Follow Bly. Make sure you give him some love and best of luck to you, dude. I appreciate you. You're the man. Always have been. Hey, thanks for coming on. And guys, make sure you follow Bly. And I'll see you in the next episode. Take care.